Outside the Tank is not affiliated with Shark Tank. Welcome to Outside the Tank, the first podcast in the world that interviews the entrepreneurs featured on Shark Tank. We get the inside scoop on how they got there, what lessons they learned, their biggest regrets, what didn't air on TV, what has happened to them since, and so much more. Prepare to be informed, inspired, and entertained. Welcome to an all-new episode of Outside the Tank. Welcome to an all-new episode of Outside the Tank. I'm Tom. And I'm the guy they call Joe. Uh, we, 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 call you, we call you a lot of things around here. You should see what I call you when you're not around. You know how, uh, you know, how I know my name is Joe? Because you have a coffee mug that says it? Exactly. Yeah. I think my wife thinks I have uh, early senile dementia, so she handed me that mug the other day, so I remember my name. Okay. Coconut Good. Girl, Frankie. Coconut Girl, Paleo Desserts, Frankie. I uh, call them ice cream sandwiches. Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> Season 11, episode 14, March 6th, 2020. Okay, so she goes into Shark Tank asking 180000 for 18%, valuing the company at a million. Essentially, it's a healthy ice cream sandwich, 250 ca- uh, calories. Um, in year three of retail now, uh, Southern California, retailing four ninety nine to five forty nine, a dollar to make them. Mm-hmm. So they look delicious, healthy, great entrepreneur, really really cool story. What did the shark say? Well, Cuban was first, and he jumped in really really quickly, and and she wanted Cuban, and so it wasn't much of a horse race to be honest. That was it. <laughs> That's the story. That's the story. Your your part was easy this week. I know, I know, and I'm I'm just excited. She, by the way, she dropped out of UCLA. The only better yep. thing she could have done is uh, re-enrolled at USC across the street. Fight on Trojans. <laughs> Little plug for the Trojans. So, Mark, 180k, 20 percent, yep. got the immediate yes. No yep. one else could really do anything about it, and that yep. was it. Yeah. So she got a she got a great shark. He obviously values the the healthy food category. It was love at first sight. What yeah. was interesting though is her first three years she doubled every year in sales. So she was on a great uh, rate of uh, rate of growth. Yeah. So went from sixty thousand to one hundred twenty thousand to three hundred thousand the year um, that she was in there um, on Shark Tank. We'll find out what happened outside the tank. Yeah, that's what we do on in this, this show. Episode. Is that what we yeah, do? We, we do that every week. It's, it's, <laughs> oh, that, that is the premise for this show. <laughs> okay. What's your name again? <laughs> I have to look at my coffee mug, which I don't have here. So let's just go with Bob. <laughs> okay. All right, Bob. Let's get into our interview with Frankie. All right, Tim. All right. We are here with the coconut girl herself. Frankie, welcome to Outside the Tank. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, let's jump right into it. Tell us the story behind how you came up with this awesome idea for a healthy dessert. Um, it was kind of an accident. I think it was back in 2014, 15. Um, I was obsessed with creating healthy alternatives to everything. 
Um, at that time, I was doing CrossFit. Um, they introduced me to the paleo diet. I was one of those obsessed people who would work out two hours a day, um, not lifting weights, just running, doing all of the cardio. So when I got introduced to CrossFit, um, they're like, hey, you actually need to eat <laughs> and stop working out. <laughs> and so we did the paleo challenge for 30 days. Um, I was obsessed with date shakes at the time and like so obsessed that I actually dreamt about it. And then the next morning I made a date shake. I put it into an ice cream machine and the recipe just kind of started that way. Um, I didn't really do anything with it until years later. You know, I was just giving it to um, coaches at my gym. And then all of a sudden one of the coaches wanted to buy it. And so that was, I guess, my first official unofficial order. <laughs> uh, so that's how it started, you know, through the CrossFit community, which I'm very thankful for. And then it slowly evolved throughout the years. Ended up going to culinary school after dropping out of UCLA. And then uh, I had private clients that I would cook for, basically a private chef. And then I got tired of constantly creating different recipes and meals all the time. And so I decided to just focus on the ice cream because everyone loved it. And uh, sat at my dining table one summer and was just like, how am I going to brand this? I know nothing about sales, marketing. I don't know what I'm doing, but I thought of the name Coconut Girl and that's how it started. I went online, just trademarked it, you know, um, filed for my business. And I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm putting it out there. <laughs> in a nutshell, how it started. And you said initially it was ice cream and then you transitioned into ice cream sandwiches. Tell us about that. Yeah, so when I was doing um, the CrossFit events every weekend, I realized a lot of my regular customers were making them into ice cream sandwiches. They would just bake their own cookies in their own in their own kitchen. They would tag me, and I'm like, that's really brilliant. I'm like, I'm not a baker, and so, you know, I did go to culinary school. I had a baker friend that I met in culinary school. I reached out to her. I said, hey, can you make cookies for me? And that's how it kind of started. I, I shifted it because when you go to the grocery store, there's pints, uh, just pints and pints everywhere. There's no paleo ice cream sandwich out there. And so I just decided to shift, you know, going from pints to ice cream sandwiches to make, you know, myself stand out and be different because nobody was doing it at the time. And then how did you end up on Shark Tank? Um, it's one of those things, you know, when your friends hear that you're doing a business, a food product, everyone's like, you should go on Shark Tank. And I was actually really obsessed with Shark Tank at the time, but it gave me anxiety because everybody that I talked to was like, you should go on Shark Tank. You should go on Shark Tank. I'm like, oh, I'm so <laughs> camera shy. Like, I don't even know how to do that. And then I saw, I was following, I think it was Barbara on Instagram. And she posted that there was an open casting call in uh, Morongo Casino in like Palm Desert in California. So I decided, I'm like, F it, I'm just going to go. So I went, I think that was 2018. Uh, I applied, I got rejected. And then, um, you know, I cried and I'm like, and then I saw a company that I met at the casting call. They aired the end of the year. Um, the casting call was in March. And so they, their segment aired in November. And I'm like, oh my goodness, that could have been me. So I decided to apply again. I'm like, I have nothing to lose. Um, I emailed all of the casting directors. A lot of them ignored me, but I'm like, I'm just going to apply again. So I applied again, um, went to the casting call. They remembered me and I'm like, yep, that was me. <laughs> I still want to apply. And I got, I got it. So crazy. That was great. What, um, what do you, uh, what do you remember from the run up getting prepared uh, for your presentation? And by the way, 
They absolutely loved you. We watched your, uh, your airing again this morning, the episode, and they absolutely loved you. But uh, what kind of work did you do to prepare for that presentation? Um, so at that time, I was self-manufacturing, meaning I would literally go to the kitchen and then living in L.A., you know how bad the traffic was. So yeah. I was just nonstop, go, go, go. Really into working out. I'm like, okay. So I just started getting new accounts. I'm still making the ice cream myself. Um, you know, I really want to work out. And so what I would do is I wake up four in the morning. I'd go drive over to Santa Monica Beach on Ocean Ave. I would run my three miles and just um, remember my 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 lines, my whole you know pitch. Um, so I did that every day up until obviously the day that I filmed, and that helped me prep for it. Um, you know, having to film myself in front of the camera because I'm very camera shy. It was the first time I really had to do something like that. Um, so a lot of it was just remembering my lines. You know, I obviously know my business uh, since I was a one woman show. I did everything, um, but a lot of it was just watching shows. Um, you know, constantly remembering your lines um, and then remembering all of your numbers. Yeah, it was interesting. Your uh, your sales were fantastic. You went from 60,000 year one, you doubled in year two, and then more than doubled the 300,000 in year three. They were kind of surprised that you didn't have a, a co-packer. Can you yeah. talk a little bit more about the decision to do everything yourself? Was it born out of not finding a co-packer to do the things the way you wanted done? Or was there another necessity there? Um, a lot of it had to do with funding. Um, what's crazy is I kind of went backwards. I've never actually approached any investor. I didn't try to seek out any investment. I just decided to go short tank. <laughs> and so Mark Cuban's funding allowed me to get a co-packer. Um, you know, and then prior to him, I did reach out to co-packers. Either I wasn't big enough, I don't have the capital to do it. Um, and I, yeah, I just, I didn't have the confidence into, into getting co-packers at the time. But after getting the investment with Mark Cuban, you know, doors started opening up opportunities where, you know, I would reach out to a co-packer and now they're willing to listen to me where before they're like, mm, no, you're nobody, you know, you're, your sales are so small. So it definitely gave me that credibility after Shark Tank. Obviously, you, I mean, you basically got what you asked for, and, and I believe from the person you wanted it from. So what's going through your mind as that offer was made, and how long did it take you to say yes? Because it looked like you were thinking about it, but I didn't know how the editing changed that. Um, obviously, they edited it, and it happened so fast that I remember Lori um, wanting to, you know, the one thing I, I wish I could have asked was, or, or yeah, just let Lori uh, speak, but Mark Cuban stood up. It happened so fast. And I'm like, what is going on? Like, what do I do? How do you say no to Mark Cuban? He stood up and he right. doesn't do that. Right. Um, and so I, I did want him. Um, I feel like I should have negotiated a little more, but I really wanted to work with him. I mean, everything worked out. Um, but I, I really wish I knew what Lori had to say and what her offer was. I thought about emailing her like, hey, Lori. <laughs> yeah, Mark was actually very aggressive. He, I, I don't think I've seen him do that before. He walked over to you oh, and really exposed yeah. you, didn't he? Yes. Um, and so yeah, it was nerve wracking. It happened so fast. But regardless, you know, of course, you don't want to show all your cards. I was going to say yes to him, but I just 
I did not expect that. He stood up, approached me, and I'm like, okay, it's a deal. Um, and then, you know, after watching my episode, because I, I watched it when it aired March 6th, so I didn't get any sneak peek preview or whatever. And obviously a lot of things that happened there, it was kind of all of a blur. But when I, after watching it like a million times, I realized when he hugged me, he goes, you're killing it. You're absolutely killing it. I was like, oh my goodness, he said that. So that was pretty cool. Um, yeah, so I, I do remember a lot and there's a lot of things that I don't remember. It's just, just all of a blur. Are you, are you happy with the relationship with Mark? Has it been helpful for your business? Yes, yes. He's super chill, down to earth, um, easy to work with him and his team. They're very responsive. So I've definitely had a great, I'm having a great experience with Mark Cuban. Um, but you know, they are hands off because it is my business. I know it. Um, and I'm, I believe I'm their first ice cream investment. So, um, you know, when I do need help or whatever, I reach out to them and they're very responsive and helpful. Tell us about those first 48 hours after the show had aired. What was it like for you? What was it like for the business? What happened to sales? Mm -hmm. Um, so the timing of everything was really, really bad. So it aired on a Friday night, super excited. You know, I just moved to the Bay Area. Um, I invited a bunch of people that I just met at my CrossFit gym, set up a whole uh, party in the backyard. And then two days later, shelter in place happened. <laughs> so yeah, it was great because I was trending on Google. I believe somebody told me you were number two search on Google. First one was obviously COVID. And then, so it was great. Everyone literally went to the grocery store, bought all of my products, and then COVID happened, shelter in place happened. No one knew what was going to happen. Everyone's freaking out. And then, you know, with the customers still wanting to get my product, they're like, hey, the shelves are empty. So I'm calling grocery stores and they're like, ma'am, I'm sorry, we're not prioritizing you. Everything's empty. We have to prioritize, you know, the toilet paper, the, the staple items, the essential essential items and being an ice cream you know that's not essential so it definitely hurt me um but luckily everyone's chilled out you know uh distributor distribution is back to normal um but it definitely hurt sales no products were getting pushed because they're either sitting in the back or they weren't getting picked up by our distributors so it, it definitely did hurt um but I'm still, you know, we're still growing, so can't complain. There are other companies that were in worse situations, restaurants, you know, having to close down. So, so yeah. It's been a year since you aired. What What's different in the business than what we saw on TV? How's it changed? How's it grown? What What's keeping you busy these days? Um, now that I have manufacturers, it's allowed me to finally work and focus on the, the business, the branding, you know, eventually launching other products outside of CPG. Um, so that's what's different. Instead of me literally making every ice cream sandwich, um, you know, from six to 12 hours a day, I'm now able to just focus on the business, the growth, you know, um, and, and that's the exciting part. It's stressful, obviously, but I can focus my attention on the important things, which is growing the business and making better decisions not making ice cream and washing dishes. So <laughs> that's the huge difference. And what, where, where are you focused on in terms of growth? Is it distribution into new stores? Is it uh, new flavors? Um, eventually new flavors, uh, seasonal flavors, but right now it's getting more retailers and expanding our distribution. So when I aired, I was 
in four states. Um, ever since we partnered up with another distributor and we're now in 14 states. So that, you know, having the time to focus on, you know, calling the buyers, working with distributors has allowed me to really get more accounts. Um, and then and then think about what I'm gonna do in the future in terms of building this coconut girl brand um, that's shifting more towards lifestyle and not just ice cream. Have you been able to sell direct or is it still too challenging with the the temperature? Oh, direct ship? Yeah. It is very challenging um, just because we don't have a fulfillment center and then dry ice, the styrofoam coolers, they all cost a lot of money. You have to ship overnight. Um, although we are talking to this one company that may help us do the drop ship, but right now we don't have that. And this is why I want to shift um, you know, the brand into non-frozen so we can, you know, whether it's coconut water or um, to be able to work with direct to consumer, especially after COVID happened, right? I mean, a lot of companies had to shift their business model to online. And that's the one thing I had to learn through COVID. But unfortunately, being a frozen product, it just doesn't make sense right now. Um, it's cost way too much money. So any, any additional skew will probably be lifestyle, non-frozen, and does that open up direct-to-consumer opportunities in your mind then? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. So we have some things in the works, um, hoping to launch it more towards the end of this year. Uh, but with Coconut Girl, I, you know, I'm building a lifestyle brand, and so that's, that's where our focus is right now. Um, yeah. Branding is a lot more fun than washing dishes. Yes, yes, it is. <laughs> and mopping floors. Although I am a clean freak, so sometimes I prefer to wash dishes than sit here and think about bed. I have OCD, so I get yeah. that. I like washing <laughs> once in a while. But isn't it great that you're you're operating at your highest and best value, hopefully, in the business right now? Yes, thank you. Where do you see the business going over the next 12 to 18 months? You know, where, where is your focus as an entrepreneur? Um, getting more retail accounts. Um, um, definitely building that lifestyle brand where it's, like I said, non-ice cream um, and just building my team. My number one is definitely building my team. I do have advisors. I have people that work for me, but where I'm not um, – making every decision, that's my main focus is really building the right team. Frankie, I often ask uh, our entrepreneurs about the team. I'm always very interested in the formation of teams. In cycling through people, internal, external vendors, and, and team members and partners, what have you learned that you can share with other entrepreneurs about assembling a great team? What does that journey look like? Um, you know, ever since working with Mark Cuban and then the Shark Tank exposure, I've definitely, it's definitely opened up more doors where people are willing to work with me, um, even if it's free or being an advisor. And so having, I'm one of those people, I mean, everyone that's worked with me has been a referral or somebody that I knew at the gym. And I don't know if that's just safe for me, but that's what I'm comfortable with. And that's how I've built my team. So everyone that's worked with me, I've known them through somebody else. Um, one of my advisors, I just knew, know through um, Mark Cuban's team. Uh, and so it's really important getting to know them, not just what their background is, but, it, you know, obviously sharing the same vision and believing you in the beginning, even if they're not getting paid a lot. I mean, that's that to me is really important. 
um, because to them it's really, of course, we won't, everyone needs to get paid, but where the vision and they believe me, believe in me as the entrepreneur, that to me is the people that I want to be surrounded because it's family. For me, my business is, is family. Let me ask you a kind of a stupid question, but you know, when you say lifestyle brand, I mean, I obviously I understand exactly what you're trying to do. Do you think it makes it difficult that you don't, so like if you were selling direct to consumer and I go on your website and I buy the product, you can then, you know, ask me for a review. You can make sure that I follow you on social media. I'm then dumped into your email marketing. Do you find that it's tough that people, you know, buy your product and you don't even know that they just bought it at Whole Foods and then you don't have an easy mechanism to follow up. So how are you kind of capturing people and building that lifestyle brand? So as you grow into other SKUs, you're able to let people know about that. I mean, so far it's been social media, like Instagram is our biggest platform. And, and that's where we do get direct feedback from people, uh, whether they're reposting it, sharing it, tagging us, shooting us an email. Um, but so far that's been the direct feedback that we've been getting. Because prior to COVID, um, you know, even though we're in retail accounts, I had girls that would go to grocery stores or events. And I, you know, I did the farmer's markets. I would still do fitness events. So I had that direct feedback, which I missed. But unfortunately, with COVID, you know, that's not happening right now. Um, so that, that Instagram has definitely been our, the biggest platform where we get our feedback from our customers. And, in, in, you know, it's interesting because every entrepreneur we bring on here, you know, we always try to ask, how can people follow you? And everyone always says their Instagram first. Yeah. So clearly it's you know, for the types of products that, that we're talking about, it's critical. So what do you, you know, as an entrepreneur, what are you doing on Instagram that's helpful? How are you getting feedback? How are you engaging people? How are you really building that relationship with the customer? Um, I just hired someone to help me with that um, because obviously I've been doing a lot of this stuff with the business, but you know, we're trying to rebrand and be more active on social media. Um, but a lot of it is just trying to engage. And like I said, we're going, we're trying to shift towards a lifestyle. Um, and so that, cause that, that is our consumer. That's why I started it because I'm very active. I'm really into health and fitness. And so that's the kind of content that we want to put out there where yes, it's just ice cream, but how are we different? It's not just dairy free, sugar free, gluten free, right? Everyone's doing that. But my shift with the branding, um, and getting more customers to engage is through lifestyle. So using fitness, whatever, you know, I just got into golf. And so you'll probably see more, um, of us posting, um, more of the active lifestyle, the working out, the fitness, um, surfing. So. Well, and Joe just got out of golf. <laughs> Give me all your gear then. <laughs> How do you get out of golf? <laughs> I quit the game after forty-seven years. You know, maybe he could send you your. Uh, maybe he could send you his equipment. If you're anything like my wife, you also will use uh, senior men's clubs. Oh my god! So you could just send oh. your clubs up there. No, I'm not letting go of my PXT. <laughs> I have. I have a question for you. If you could take the the Frankie of today which is not a finished product yet, you're still working on yourself and your entrepreneurial mind and, and the business, which is becoming a life, which will become a lifestyle empire. But if you could take your present self and go back to that Frankie that started the business X number of years ago, what advice would you give your younger entrepreneurial self? Um, stop doubting yourself. I mean, it took me, Shark Tank and, you know, that show to really um, 
validate myself. I don't know why. I mean, you know, I have the confidence, but part of me, it's like you're dealing with other people, professionals, people who have experience in the back in, in this space. Um, but having a little more confidence in the stuff that I've accomplished, because I tend to downplay it and always get people telling me, stop being so humble, which is great. I'm a very humble person, but at the same time, there are times where you do have to brag, you know, give yourself credit. And so that would be the one advice to give myself. I feel like, um, yeah, putting myself more out there um, because I built something and people love it. So <laughs> stop doubting myself. Well, and it is part of that too, just trusting your gut. I mean, if, if, you know, just having the confidence of, if I think this is a good idea, it probably is. So just trust yourself and go make it happen. Yes. Yes. It's hard. I mean, we all have our insecurities, right? And the imposter syndrome, we yeah. still suffer with that. Um, I yeah, don't know of anyone who doesn't have a little bit, I love that uh, phraseology, imposter sy syndrome. I just don't know of anyone who doesn't, have a, uh, who doesn't have a little bit of that going on. But I love that. You would go back and just tell yourself to put yourself out there, be proud of what you built. And sometimes what we've even though we have a meager business, we've taken a, a, a product, a concept, we brought it to life, we brought it to market, and based on your salespeople, you know, first year 60,000, 120,000, 300,000. So at the time you were on Shark Tank, you were already doing, you were closing in on half a million dollars a year in sales. And that's something we should be extremely proud of. But so many young entrepreneurs still are riddled with self-doubt. So I think that's a phenomenal piece of advice. Yeah, and I was just going to ask you in closing, kind of similar to that, but I mean, for the entrepreneurs that listen to this, what advice would you give them? What guidance? What suggestion? Like, what do you think you could share with them that would be helpful? Um, it's really just putting yourself out there. I mean, I say that because I don't and I didn't or I thought I did, um, but learning how to embrace what we think is failure, right? I put myself out there, even though I failed Shark Tank the first time, but I didn't let that stop me. Um, so just really having that, just being resilient. That's, that's what you need as an entrepreneur because everyone wants to start a business. They have a great idea, but are you willing to do it when you are on the ground, people are kicking you, you know, and you're in the mud. That's, that's the kind of um, resiliency that you need is to just be able to keep going, even though you're, you know, people are putting you down or, yeah. Well, it's, it's great advice. And I think it's tough to put yourself out there because you don't want to look like a failure to yeah. other people. And, you know, especially as a younger entrepreneur, look, you care what people think of you to a certain degree. We're all human beings. And so it's, uh, there's a tremendous amount of vulnerability and, and a little bit of thick skin that it takes to do this line of work, right? <laughs> it's, it's definitely tough. <laughs> So where can people buy the product and then how can they follow you on social media? So you can follow us on Coconut Girl Brands. Um, we're also on coconutgirlbrands.com. We have a page called Store Locator where you could find which retailer carries our product. Um, and if we're not in your local health food store, you could just support us by going to your uh, local health food store and, and requesting that they carry Coconut Girl. And it's actually worked. So, um, you know, we get a lot of requests from buyers saying, hey, customers are coming in here asking to carry Coconut Girl, so we're reaching out to you. So believe it or not, they listen. So if you want us in your state, your local health food store, um, please bug your manager. 
Awesome. You're, you're in 14 states now. Yes. If you're listening to this, if you're watching this, let's get Cook and a girl into all 50 states. Yes, thank you. <laughs> well, we so appreciate you being here and, and sharing your story with everyone. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate it. All right, we're back. Frankie's an awesome entrepreneur. She is. A lot of good lessons. This is our post-game show. We break down what we learned from the entrepreneur that other entrepreneurs need to apply to their business. So, Joe, you go first as always. What do you have? Post-game is my favorite part of the show. I know. So I have one thing. She spoke a lot about resiliency. I have one thing, but maybe it breaks down into, into three things. This is uh, a lady who's very, very willing. This is an entrepreneur who's very willing to put themselves out there. Maybe I'm saying that in my own words, but kind of fearless, kind of like that person who grabs a hold of an idea and is going to move forward with it and doesn't, doesn't respond or react uh, immediately to stuff around her that a lot of people that never take that plunge, never take that risk, respond to. She, she, she shelved her fears. We all have fears. She put them on the shelf and she put herself out there. But you have to do that as an entrepreneur. Yeah. You have to put yourself out there. You know, I remember years ago when I uh, I decided I wanted to be a professional speaker and I was going to write a book and I was going to speak on college campuses. The only way that I could have done that is I had to make a commitment to myself that I was going to put myself out there. I didn't care how stupid I looked. I didn't care what people said about <laughs> me. I didn't care if I failed and everyone knew I failed. You just have to be you know, naked and vulnerable and, and just put yourself out there. And everything I did sucked. Okay. <laughs> I cringe when I look at, you know, my first headshots and my yeah. first book cover and my first presentation. I mean, it, you know, so you think your headshots now look really good? Is <laughs> Actually, they do. <laughs> Thank you. Well, compared to what I had before, when I'm, I'm 22 and I was, I was in a suit and tie. Oh, my God. I thought, oh, look, I'll Take look the tie off. It's horrible. Look. And so, but, but the point is. You is look like a junior IRS agent. <laughs> I did. I, I looked like I was going door to door selling, what, like, what do, like, like Bibles or. Encyclopedias. I, 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 I mean, I, oh, it looked horrible. But, you know, the, the point is, is that you have to. If you don't do that, you never get started. Yeah. And at some point, you just have to rip off the Band-Aid and say, I'm going to put myself out there, and this might be successful, it might fail, but you have to be willing to do that. And I'll just say, from personal experience, who gives a you-know-what what anyone else thinks? Yeah, yeah, Your family and yeah. friends are going to love you no matter what. They probably you know, uh, don't care what you're doing, and I mean that in the sense of, yeah, just go be successful, whatever. I mean, they're not going to judge you, and if they do, then they're probably not your friends anyways, but you know, you just put yourself out there. And, and so that's what she did. And I, whenever she was talking about that, um, that's what I wrote down, put yourself out there. I started thinking about what I had to do and it was terribly uncomfortable. It always is for us, but you have to be willing to do it. And the people that support you love you. The people that don't support you probably weren't your friend in the first place. Yep. Who cares? And a lot of that too, Joe, is the people that, so when entrepreneurs put themselves out there and they take a risk and they get super vulnerable, the people that make fun of them or say things under their breath or say things behind their backs, a lot of them are either insecure or just very negative people. Yep. That's the reality of it. So who cares what they think? If we, if we go back into the, uh, the, if we take the way back machine to 1979, I started selling insurance products on commission, strictly commission. And my friends, you know, laughed at me. They howled at me. You're never going to make it. 
And two years later, I had uh, scraped a, enough money together to buy my first house. And I was far ahead of where they were at financially, but I was willing to put myself out there. The two other elements, and I don't want our listeners to miss this, the two other elements that she alluded to is not only was she willing to put herself out there, but these relate very closely. They're one thing, but it's really a three-part formula. Put yourself out there, number two. She embraced the failure and the lessons from those micro failures. In other words, she failed forward, which is a very important lesson. And then the third thing is she was, it was just that resiliency thing. You uh, smile, you don't take those failures too seriously, you bounce back and you start moving forward again. So I, I just, you know, I just thought she was a wonderful uh, person to talk to and those lessons about Putting yourself out there, being being aware of the failures and learning from them, failing forward, using them as a way to move forward, stumbling forward, and then bouncing back and getting on the move again. That's what you know. Those are lessons we should all you know embrace and, and emulate. Agreed. I got a couple more quick ones here. Uh, she's killing it on Instagram. Yep. You know, you gotta. You know, if you have that type of product, you gotta engage with your your customers, meet them where they are. Uh, she's doing a great job. What's of that. Instagram? Instagram is a um, – have you heard of social media before? <laughs> I actually was going to make that joke, and I forgot to. So <laughs> I, I teed you up. I, I, I couldn't let it pass. Yeah, and, and, and again, as a reminder, this is not a radio show. Oh, okay. okay so we're not being broadcast live on AM radio. Oh, this I is a podcast. We okay. So people download it and listen to it on their ah, cellular phone. Cellular phone. Okay. Yes. Okay. All right. So she's killing it on Instagram. Uh, most of the entrepreneurs we talk to are, if they're not killing it on Instagram, it's because they're on LinkedIn or they're on Facebook or they're Snapchat or somewhere. So you got to dominate on social media. Yeah, and man, just really pick, these things pick one to start and just own it. Absolutely. Um, did her pitch over and over again. You know, you can't procrastinate on this stuff. You know, there's, there's, you got to be prepared. And so she just did such a great job of practicing. And it's just so important. I think sometimes entrepreneurs, they try to wing it. Um, and, and again, look, I'm, I love, you know, being spontaneous. I love, you know, uh, doing those types of things. But there are certain things, whether you're, you know, pitching to investors or you're on Shark Tank or you've got a big meeting, you know, sit there over and over again and play it through in your mind and be prepared because it is such a horrible look. I mean, I'm sure there's entrepreneurs that go into Shark Tank all the time that just aren't prepared. They either don't know their numbers or they don't know their pitch. And I understand nerves, but if you're just not prepared, then that's a sign of laziness. And who's going to want to give a lazy person hundreds of thousands of dollars? They're not. Um, and then the last thing is, you know, this was supposed to be ice cream and then it became ice cream sandwiches. And the lesson here is, you have to listen to your customers. So there are times where entrepreneurs get so focused on, this is my product, this is it, it's perfect, I'm not open to feedback, I'm not open to change, I'm just gonna be super tunnel visioned. And Joe, think about our business, think about all the businesses we work with, people are constantly pivoting and tweaking and adding and changing, and that's what you need to do. And the entrepreneurs that are so hard-headed and so in love with their version one idea are the ones that just get smoked and left in the dust. You know, I, I'll say it this way, have passion for what you do, love what you do, but don't fall in love with your ideas to the extent that it blocks your openness for that feedback and input. We see people fall in love with something and become closed off to input, and they may not have a, um, a product market fit. They may be very close, but they're far enough away that their business can't succeed, can't sustain. So don't fall in love with your ideas and your product uh, to the extent that it, you lose the objectivity. Yep. 
So that's uh, that's Frankie. That's another yeah. episode in the books. And if you're listening to these episodes and you have a desire to help entrepreneurs and you think a mastermind group setting to help those entrepreneurs and would be interesting, hit us up because we have a now global, sounds crazy to say that, but a global network of practice leaders who build and lead and run incredibly talented groups of entrepreneurs on a monthly basis. So if there is a industry or a type of business that you love working with and you've got entrepreneurial wins and expertise and game and want to help other people, we've got an incredible platform to do that. So Tom at Growth10.com, Joe at Growth10.com, be well compensated for your expertise and your knowledge and your willingness to mentor the next generation of entrepreneurs. So that's all we have. As always, every Tuesday, new episode of Outside the Tank. We appreciate the support. Give us five stars on wherever you listen to this podcast. Tell your friends. Subscribe on YouTube. Uh, you know This is how people hear about the show, so we greatly appreciate it. And we'll see you next week on an all-new episode of Outside the Tank.